It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. And welcome. We are live, and we are going. We are going. We are going strong. I believe. <laughs> Number two thirteen of J.C. and Morgan with an abrupt introduction into the show. Mike Morgan, J.C. Sherbert, and the Mad Dog Phil Molinax, our uh, esteemed producer. This is our new time. We're going to do this each and every Monday now. I know sometimes we've been a little loosey goosey with the days of the week due to our schedules, but I think Monday works well for everybody, and Monday morning in particular. And it's good for us because it gives us an early chance, JC, to uh, chop up what just happened over the past week. So, rip roaring, ready to go. I've got uh, Falcon Field behind me, home of the 4 0. Air Force Falcons. So we're we're doing this six thousand feet above sea level. It's the second highest uh, stadium, high in terms. I guess Colorado. I got to be careful how I phrase that. Highest in terms of altitude, not in terms of something else. And uh, boy, what a job Coach Calhoun and company have done there. We'll get into that'll be part of the boss segment. One of the many highlights over another week in college football as we're now four weeks in, five if you include week zero. And we've got lots of stuff to to talk about, J.C. I thought it was one of the better weekends in college football. And enjoy it because the slate this week, it, it, there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off. And, and there might be some drop-offs, quite frankly, uh, here and there. You know, we, we stack up so many good matchups, you know, this conference versus that conference in the first few weeks. And then we get in the conference play, which is great. We love conference play, but sometimes the matchups just don't live up to it. So this was, we had a half a dozen top 25 matchups, which is the most since 2006 when we had seven. And I dare say most of them lived up to the hype. I mean, we had some really good football games, some great finishes. Uh, I realized for, for many, the, the, the college football landscape for some this year is all about Dion, and if you tuned into that, then you saw the Buffaloes get boat raced. Somebody, you know, sometimes the internet is undefeated. Somebody put up a a meme, JC. We're all Rocky Three and Rocky Four fans. I think it's safe to say that, right? I, I've got no no use for Rocky Five, but if it's from Rocky Four and it had a meme of Apollo Creed, one of the best movie characters, sports movie characters of all time, from Rocky Four, where he's wearing the 4th of July Independence Day hat with the red, white, and blue, and the whole ensemble, and he's there, I want you, and he's pointing to Drago, and it said, this was Deion Sanders entering the game, and then had another picture of Apollo Creed laying face down in a puddle of blood when Drago out and badly killed him. And uh, the meme basically said this was Dion after the game got started. There was no question that was going to uh, draw some, I think, some highly anticipated blowback of, from the love fest that has been Dion for the first few weeks. Uh, but you shouldn't be surprised. If you know where Oregon football is and you know where Colorado football is, it's not like Dion was going to, he doesn't draw plays, like he wasn't going to come up with some master scheme to overcome that. 
uh, Colorado got whooped, and that's probably not the last time they're going to get whooped as they have Southern Cal coming up this weekend. Lots of SEC games to talk about. Uh, the more things change, the more they same the, stay the same. And I warned people about getting too excited about Ole Miss picking on a wounded animal, picking on a wounded al- animal in Alabama. And Alabama won the prettiest game, but Alabama reminded people uh, some of you folks are not ready for the big time. We may we may be flawed and we may be wounded, but we're still better than Ole Miss football, and they proved that in that game. Looks like there's a new sheriff in town in the ACC. Spencer Rattler of the Gamecocks continues to be ridiculous. If you watch some of that game late Saturday night against Mississippi State, I mean, he essentially was was throwing a no-hitter at the quarterback spot. And uh, some more great action from the pack. J.C., with all that being said, we'll unmute J.C.'s mic and we'll say good morning. How are you, sir? Yeah, I got a uh, washer and dryer going next door to me, so uh, it's making a little noise. I, I felt like I would not... Uh have that in, in, intrude on your opening model. <laughs> I don't uh, hear it. I don't hear any washer or dryer or yeah. spin cycle. Thank goodness. So uh, I don't know if somebody's washing some shoes or what, but it was loud earlier, so I decided to do that. But, yeah, nice weekend of college football. You know, I've got some things in the JC5 that you pointed, you, you touched on. Uh, I'll say this about Colorado. I mean, and look, I headed into that game, I didn't know how good – Oregon was just based on what they've done this year. Obviously, they're pretty daggum good. Um, I, I don't know that Dan Lanning was completely fair with with Prime uh, or what he said before the game. Like they want clicks, we want results. I haven't seen anything from Colorado this year on the field that has indicated a football team that, that's more interested in hype than winning. I think they played three pretty tough games. Are they that good? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, are they, you know, they're, they're just better than Nebraska, a little better than TCU on that day, and frankly, a little better than Colorado State on that day. I mean, but I I, I, I don't, I, I reject the the, the, uh, the point that, you know, that, that, that it's just based on hype, because I think they'd be 0-4 <laughs> if it was just based on hype. Yeah. Uh, I also think Oregon, of all schools, does not need to be talking about hype. As much as their uniforms and Nike and, you know, all that stuff, they pipe that through the years, right? And I love Oregon. I have a lot of friends that are Oregon fans and love their fans, love love Eugene. Um, you know, I think that it's a nice place uh, to go to school and play football. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't I, you know, and I, I look, coaches are going to say what they want to say to fire up their own team. And obviously it worked. But I, I just, you know, I, I think as with all things, Mike, you know, uh, you know, is Deion Sanders the coach of the year and uh, a revolutionary head coach in the sport? Probably can't say that right now. Is Deion Sanders nothing but a hype train and, and a lot of hat and no cattle, no pun intended, with the with the, the cowboy hat? I don't think you can say that either. I think the answer is somewhere in between as of right now, and we won't know to the future. I will say this, not because I'm not going to beat up Oregon too bad, the duck – Coming on the field with a cowboy hat and sunglasses on, that was awesome. <laughs> I like that. I like that part. And then the duck, you see, the duck gets into all kinds of things. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a shenanigan, uh, he's a shenanigan doing mascot in, in many ways. Kind of like San Diego chicken 
it reminds me of in a lot of ways. But uh, the Duck doing that was pretty awesome. Uh, good win for Oregon because, quite frankly, I think they blew out a pretty good football team. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the Pac-12. Uh, it's just funny. What a swan song. And we got that in JC5, too, so I won't say too much. But <clears throat> Alabama, you mentioned, uh, I shoot, I sat there an hour before the game, and I was like, you know what? We've watched so many of these 330 Alabama games through the years where some some poor SEC West team comes in thinking they have a shot, or East team. Sometimes most, I remember Florida coming in at 330 and whatever, getting blown away. I was like, this is the time somebody actually gets them in this time slot. It beats them. And I was wrong. <laughs> so it was, oh, oh, it was not old Mrs. Day. Bama played really good on defense. Uh and grinded it out, kind of like Saban's teams are apt to do through the years. So it looks like they went kind of back to their roots uh, a little bit. Was it perfect? No. Uh, but that if Alabama's going to get back on track and, you know, try to make the playoff, I mean, keep in mind they're only sitting there with one loss, and it was non-conference. And Texas looks really good. That's right. And if they're going to try to do that, that may be how Bama has to win games this year. Play defense, play field position, get what you can out the run game. And, and grind team, grind teams down. Yeah, I, I um, well, a couple things. Let me let me start there. I, I'm a, I, I liked Lane Kiffin for Ole Miss. I'm glad he stayed. Uh, I'm a, I'm, I think Lane Kiffin's good for the sport in a lot of ways. He's a little bit of a villain, just like I think Deion Sanders is good for the sport. Um. That doesn't mean he's above criticism. And the whole notion that Deion Sanders revolutionized college football and he's now the face of college football, slow your roll, folks. Just because you want it to be so doesn't make it so. He hadn't revolutionized Jack you-know-what, and he's certainly not the face of college football. He was the face of the national media's love affair with the story for three weeks, and you're going to see that kind of fade into oblivion. Uh, after they take a loss to Southern Cal and the rest of the way. doesn't mean eventually he might build a juggernaut in Boulder. Heck, I think it'd be, great, again, great for the sport if he did. I'd love to have some relevance out there. And remember, no matter what happens with the pack, Colorado is going to the Big 12. So you could have some really spicy matchups if Colorado becomes a perennial top 25 program, which many people believe um, that it will. But to go back to Lane... Here's my question for you, JC, and I'm not piling on. Again, I think Lane is a, I think Lane's great for Ole Miss, but what are the signature wins that he has in Oxford? Like, what, 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 what do we, what do we look back and say? Oh man, since Lane took that job at Ole Miss, think about this. That like they haven't, they can't. Clearly not in Alabama's class. They don't play Georgia, but I don't think anybody would make the argument they're in Georgia's class. Um. LSU, a good LSU team. Have they been able to beat a good LSU team? Not the Ed Orgeron fading into oblivion LSU. So, I mean, my question is, can Ole Miss really get over that proverbial hump with Lane, or for that matter, anybody else? I mean, I think, I think Ole Miss is a, it's a great, it's one of those things where these things sound contradictory, but they're not. It's a great job, but it's a very difficult job at the same time. Like, you can have those two things going. They're not mutually exclusive. There are jobs in college football that are really good jobs. They pay well. 
Uh, Oxford's a cool town. You've got resources. And, and the people there, what I love about Ole Miss fans and Mississippi State fans, they both, for the most part, have realistic expectations of who they are and what they are. They don't talk national championship. And Ole Miss has never been to an SEC championship game, for that matter. Heck, we've been playing that game in Atlanta since 92. So you, anything, anytime Ole Miss loses a game like Alabama, you can't pin it on Lane. But, but the question does, it is legitimate. Because I think a lot of people consider Lane Kiffin one of the best offensive minds in college football. But that didn't, that didn't show up on Saturday, and it doesn't always show up against the, the great team. So I, I think it's fair to at least pose the question, don't you? I think it is. I, and I, pre, before the season, I thought, you know, this because Ole Miss, the, the one thing they have been under Kiffin is consistent. Uh, under Hugh Freeze, um, people forget this. Hughes last year, they dipped back to five, came back to earth and went five and seven. Um, and then they were kind of five and seven, six and six ish under Luke for three years. And then Lane's had him in that eight to nine to 10 win uh, range. Uh, for his three seasons. So I'm like, well, they're either going to keep on being consistent like this uh, and one day have a breakthrough the other way, uh, or this could be the year they go down. I, I don't know. I, what I saw Saturday changes my mind much either way, but they did. Uh, I thought the win over Tulane on the road was one of the best non-conference wins for the league, uh, even though Tulane did not have their quarterback. Uh, Georgia Tech is still playing uh, FBS Power 5 level football. They beat them. Uh, and then they had a cupcake before they played Bama. So, uh, you know, that may just be that may just be one of those things where, you know, we have to wait and see uh, what happens for the rest of the year. But, yeah, you're right. He, he has kind of beaten who he's supposed to. He's beaten A&M, you know, a couple times, beaten Auburn. They've been down. Um, and, and so this year, may, you know, we may see, you know, he's won the Egg Bowl. He's lost the Egg Bowl. He's won the Egg Bowl, mm-hmm. lost the Egg Bowl. Uh, I think the reason Ole Miss rallied behind him and did what they did to keep him is because he has been really consistent. You know, uh, you know they're not – they have been one of the better teams, not the best, but one of the top three, four teams in the West uh, for a while. I mean, last year, if you look at the league standings, it's kind of crazy because if you did them one through 14, which is what they're going to do start next year with one through 16, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and South Carolina all tied for fifth in the league. You wouldn't think that. Because when you're ranking all the programs in the league, 1 through 16 or 1 through 14, you know those schools don't necessarily have the tradition and resources that everybody else does. But uh, they kind of have won anyway. So I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, Lane didn't – I think he did have one signature. I think on the road one year, didn't they beat Oregon at Southern Cal late one year when they were on probation and ruined their season? I think I think that happened under Kiffin. Oh, you're going back to when Lane was. Yeah, so yeah. so he has had because I'm, I'm thinking career as he, he career wise. Yeah, um, I know that at Tennessee is one year they they played. It was oh nine. They they went seven and six. Seven and six, but they beat the snot out of Georgia uh, at home. Um, yeah, that wasn't that was, a that was a terrible Georgia. That was not. That a was very not a great Georgia team, team right? That was. Uh, that was either the. I think it was the Joe Cox Georgia team, and maybe he had gotten hurt. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but they got they beat a forty five sixteen. They beat Spurrier that year at South Carolina, but then they also lost some games where they just weren't very you know competitive and, and, and got smacked right. around. So you know, yeah, I, I think that's something fair to say about Coach Kiffin right now. Uh, 
I personally love him and think he's good for the sport. Totally agree. Uh, I, I think I mentioned Steve Spurrier. I, I think he is a lot like Steve Spurrier. If you talk to people that kind of coach in the building with him and stuff, he, he kind of has got that uh, that style. You know, that's kind of uh, – I don't give a crap. I'm going to go call my ball plays and uh, mm-hmm. away we go. And, and, and that's says something, you know, for motivating a team. But He's the right. closest thing to Steve – since Steve right that we have in box. college football, which I think we need more of. I, I don't want yeah. a bunch of cookie-cutter coaches. Yeah. Um, and, and, again, that's part of the the appeal of Dion. He's something different. Lane is something different. Um, but I but I do think it's it's fair to ask. Like, okay, and, and again, Ole Miss is, is fortunate to have Lane Giffen. I think it's a match made in heaven. I never thought he was going to bolt like all the rumors said. Oh, he's got a house in Boca, so he's moving to Miami. No, Boca and Miami are two different worlds. If you know anything about South Florida, this, those are not two analogous cities at all. Um, I, I think he knows he's got a good thing. And Ole Miss, Ole Miss is never going to put Lane Kiffin on the hot seat for winning eight games and losing to Alabama. They they, they know better. Um, but I... I, I like that was not a you had Alabama kind of a wounded animal, right? And you weren't able to take advantage of it. That was the thing that stood out to me. Again, I wasn't surprised by the outcome. I picked Alabama to cover a seven point spread. But as I'm watching that game and I'm watching Milrose still kind of struggle and make bad decisions, uh, he's clearly the best quarterback for Alabama this year, and you you won't see him lose that job. Again, the rest of the way, at least I don't think he will. But but they're 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 a wounded animal. They're, it's not typical Alabama. They got a bunch of big, heavy offensive linemen that don't block well. And no matter who the quarterback is, that's going to be an issue. So they can't just maul people on offense. Uh oh, we lost Mike's bike there. Uh, he's talking about Alabama. Uh, sounded like a cord, dude. Uh oh, I'll unplug and plug back in. Uh, in the meantime, I, I'm gonna say I agree with Mike. I think the Alabama offensive line, uh, to me has been the most surprising thing. I, I know their coach, Eric Wolford, he was in South Carolina for a while and also had a good, uh, good run in Illinois under Ron Zook before that, had a good run in the NFL. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to make of it. I, I just, uh, I, you, you know, they recruit as well as anybody in the country. I mean, you're talking loads of competition. So I'm not sure exactly what it is. Mike, we got you back here. Buddy. You got me here? Yeah, sweet. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to say one other thing, and I know you, we're going to touch on it on the JC5, but uh, just to, to, to cap off the preamble here of, of the night that was, the, the Notre Dame-Ohio State game, was the premier matchup and certainly is going to have impacts on the four-team college football playoff. Uh, entertaining game. I want to say well-played game for the most part. Some people think just because it's a defensive type of game that that means it was a poor game. I, I disagree with that. You can have a well-played game that is 16-14, 13-7, 13-10. I mean, we saw it for years with LSU-Alabama. Uh, look, there's <laughs> how you only have ten men on the field for the final play, and then you say you don't want to you don't want to shuttle that extra defensive lineman in because you're worried about a penalty and you've got no timeouts. 
the ball's on the one-yard line. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You can't. I'm sitting there watching the game, and Todd Blackledge, to me, is as good as it gets as an analyst. I uh, thought he was for years at ESPN, and he'll serve his role well at NBC. Uh, but neither one of the announcers picked up on it. So I'm watching, and I'm like, wait a minute. That defensive line looks really thin. Do they, do they got seven back on goal line? This doesn't make any sense. And so nobody mentioned it. And, of course, you don't get the all-22 view when you're just watching on, on TV. Uh, I didn't find out till afterwards, J.C., that they only had 10 on the field. It wasn't pointed out. There was no replay. There was no – NBC's got a ways to go. Um, but but now that – after finding that out, it does make sense. Like, how do you have just one defensive lineman on that side of the ball? That, that, that should have never, ever happened. It's an egregious mistake. And I hate it for Notre Dame. Again, it's another – I don't have a rooting interest in the game. I did pick Ohio State. And Ohio State was very fortunate to win that. I, I'm still trying to figure out how Notre Dame lost that game. They had it won. They had it absolutely won. And uh, Dennis Green, we let him off the hook. That's exactly what Notre Dame did. And they might have let their national their, their chances of a national championship off the hook as well because now your margin of error is basically zero. I don't believe Notre Dame could lose another game and get in the playoff. But uh, overall, another game that lived up to the hype and that it came down to the wire. Agreed. And uh, we'll talk about Ohio State uh, and their end of it in the JC5 more. Let's just say I'm using one of my catchphrases I've used a lot lately. Uh, with Notre Dame, too, you shot yourself in the foot. Uh, yeah, and, and look, if you're the Irish, you have to flush this. You're at Duke and at Louisville the next two weeks. Duke is good. They are a good football team. They beat the snot out of UConn this past weekend. Just just rolled them. I mean, and, and look, I'm not saying UConn's great. They improved a lot under Jim Moore Jr., though. They're pretty well coached. They had NC State on the ropes earlier this year. Duke just walloped the tar out of them. It's it's in the friendly confines of Wallace Wade. I mean, it's like going and playing at Wrigley with nobody, if nobody shows up. <laughs> like a half-empty Wrigley field's not that fun, right? Uh, you know, and so – you got to do that. And then Louisville with Jeff Brom, you, that's, and for both of those programs, Duke and Louisville, that is as big as it gets. Notre Dame coming to your backyard. Oh, and then by the way, after that miniature gauntlet, I'm going to call it a mini gauntlet, Mike. A mini, after that's over, you got Southern Cal coming to town before your open date. You know, that, yeah. that, that was the thing about Notre Dame's schedule this year is, you know, they started in week zero and they, they, you know, kind of like, uh, Good any any even average golfer does when they're playing behind me they play through <laughs> they play through they're playing through and so that's uh, that's got to be tough I mean you know so we're gonna find out about if the Irish I mean it's sink or swim the next three weeks for them beat Southern Cal your goal you know beat Duke Louisville Southern Cal you're still golden you're still right there uh, but uh, boy what what a damaging loss and uh, and all that good stuff uh, and, and then the way it went down has to you know, I, I'm not going to repeat what some of my um, Notre Dame friends told Nat, my fiance, at the Chicago Bears watch party yesterday about the result of that. <laughs> but uh, it was just—it was not for, you know, not for PG-13 television. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of a—it was like a, that, that that one. If you're a fan out there, it's just got to stick in your craw. I have some old, some other thoughts on Ryan Day too, and that's part of the JC5. So I don't want to uh, take 
bite in any more to your time, JC. Let's get to it again. Uh, the morale of a great nation relies heavily on the quality of the JC5, which never disappoints. Here we go with number one. All right, first up on the JC5 is the Pac-12 continues to be exciting, competitive, good football. Mike, you 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 love good quarterback play, good quarterback play. Top to bottom, Washington State, Oregon State, the left behind bowl. Yeah, the Pac-2 championship. Was was amazing. It's an amazing football game. I thought the Beavers would win, but the, the Cougs pulled it out. Uh, great game. How about Utah and UCLA being a defensive strong? 14 to Yeah. yeah uh, I, 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 I thought that was a big game for Chip Kelly because I, I, I think Chip Kelly needed a big statement road victory like that. I mean, he, he's, he's gotten better. I mean, that, that UCLA has gotten better. They, they went, what, four and eight twice under him to start with. They're getting better. They're not Oregon what, what he once was. But um, at some point, like you, you mentioned, break – Breakthrough wins. I thought, thought that was a needed breakthrough win for them. They didn't get it. Uh, you know, Washington and Oregon both are playing out of their minds right now. Um, this uh, Outside of Stanford and maybe Cal, uh, maybe Arizona State for a lot of reasons, but um, definitely Arizona State for a lot of reasons. But uh, it's, it's going to be a banner year in this league, whether people like it or not. This is um, this is like if if you're with somebody. You're, okay, let's say you're you're married. Your wife says, "Hey, look, I, I'm I'm sorry. It's it's over, and uh, I'm leaving." And you're just you're you're heartbroken over it. You know, you really thought this thing had a chance, and now all of a sudden she's leaving, and then you find out. This is the pack now representing the guy whose wife just left him. And you find out your wife is actually moving on to another man. And then like a week later, after she moves out of the house, you've already filed the paperwork for the divorce. You read in the newspaper she just won the lottery. Just won like just won like $85 million for her to enjoy and spend on some exotic vacations with her new guy, with her new beau. Uh, because the pack should be celebrating a memorable year, one of their best in a long, long time. It is the best quarterback play in the country, top to bottom. It is one of the most competitive leagues, top to bottom. And you can make an argument. I'm not sure if I'll agree with this, but you can make the argument it's the best league in college football this year. I mean, they got a bunch of ranked teams. That doesn't mean a whole lot to me personally. Um, I still think a lot of these teams that are off to good starts, you know, some things haven't changed. The, the pack has always been a great offensive league, but when they have to get uber physical, with the exception of maybe Oregon and Washington, those teams tend to be overmatched. Uh, but none of it matters because thanks to two of the worst commissioners in the history of college football named Scott and Klyovkov, uh, this is the swan song. So yeah, it's 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 bittersweet if you're a, a, a fan of the Conference of Champions. It's absolutely bittersweet because you know uh, this is it. But for one more year, yeah, the pack is stellar. And again, JC, I mean, you you, you hit it on the head. You know uh, how I feel about 
the quarterback, like everybody knows the quarterback position is the most important on the field, but in college football, it truly is the different, like you can become, you can go from irrelevant to really good in college football if you just have that one difference maker at quarterback. That's not as true in the NFL. Like if you don't have an offensive line, if you don't have a defense, you're going to still lose a lot of games in the NFL. In college football, if you're, if you've got like an NFL caliber quarterback, you can overcome a lot. And if you don't, you can be stacked everywhere else and you can find yourself in a really bad uh, situation, as Nick Saban right about now. That, that is the, the difference, and in, in the pack is loaded with NFL-caliber quarterback. We haven't talked about I'll get to, get to it in the boss. I mean, what Penix is doing at Washington is like insane video game stuff. He's just throwing incompletions every now and then to prove that it, it, he's a human and not a robot out there. Like it's not a chap GBT simulation going on in Seattle. Uh, but yeah, I I think it's a great story. But it's also a man. This could have been a harbinger of things to come, and a pack that could have been that had some momentum with coaches and players and hype, and you get Southern Cal back in Washington and. Wazoo is relevant again. You could, have had all, you could have had everything, but you had an absolute moron running your league and sitting there and telling everybody it's okay as he's, again, putting in requests for the band on the Titanic as the ship submerges into the bottom of the Atlantic. Absolutely. Michael Penix, too, by the way, three-star recruit out of Tampa, originally signed with Indiana. And I led not, them I, to that. He's, not, he's a Tampa kid? I did not yeah, know that. Yeah, led them to that. Remember, they were really good during the pandemic. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Was. He was led, one of the best led, stories, and he got hurt. Yeah, was, they were second in that division, almost almost knocked off Ohio State. Uh, I think they only played six, I think they were five and one or whatever. But Penix, uh, they got in the portal and found his way to Washington, if I'm not mistaken. And, and I don't know that Kalen DeBoer and Penix – paths crossed at Indiana, maybe early in recruiting it did. But DeBoer used to be at Indiana, then he went to Fresno and then on to Washington. Um, so there's maybe some connection there, but I don't know. Kalen DeBoer, though, uh, Pickard from Washington State, Jonathan Smith. I mean, you, you, I, I, and I'm not even talking about Kyle Whittingham, Chip Kelly, Lincoln Riley, you know, the, the big dogs of that league. Yeah. I mean, you've got some serious coaching talent. Serious coaching talent. Uh, it's just a shame. It's all going away. So, uh, anyway, Ohio State, I've been using this. I've been quoting. I've been channeling Pat Dye from O2 uh, about Pat being man, man enough. Pat Dye, you know, because Pat Dye on Feinbaum. Uh, Georgia was playing at Alabama. It was long before Saban, long before Kirby. It was Rick's second year. I don't even remember who the – was it Franchione? I think Fran was the coach at Bama at the time. Pat Dye gets on five bomb and declares, Georgia is not man enough to go beat Alabama. And they did. They went in there and beat Alabama's last second pass to, I think, Michael Johnson, which that Georgia team that year won a lot of games that way. Uh, and so they were like, the, the battle cry I was living in Gainesville, Georgia at the time, Mike, was Bulldog Nation was man enough. Uh, it's just like the hobnail boot the year before. You know, they catch on to these things. So uh, I've been talking about teams being man enough. Are, they, are you man enough? Ohio State was man enough. And just like with North Carolina, who, by the way, is undefeated right now. Um, Tobacco Road. And, and had the had arguably the toughest schedule to start the season of anybody in the country. Um, 
they got tired of hearing how soft they were over the summer, and they're That's not right. playing soft anymore. I think Ohio State, after hearing about it with Michigan over and over and over, because like, that's what happened against Michigan the last two years, the Wolverines have just punched them in the mouth and they didn't recover. I think Ohio State, after hearing that all summer, I think they're, they've got, they've used that as motivation to play way up to their potential on defense. Because the talent's never an issue in Columbus. And I think that's where I got that game wrong. I thought Notre Dame would be the more physical football team. I think Lou Holtz, to a certain extent, was right. I know he caught some crap from Ryan Day about it. But uh, Ohio State's man enough. I mean, that's a that's that's a manly win right there. <laughs> when you go in and, and win in the last second and, and run it over them and hold them to 14 at home and, and match their physicality in South Bend, uh, even though Notre Dame could have won, uh, I think I have to say that Right now, if Ohio State continues to play this way, that Michigan game in Ann Arbor at the end of the year could have a very different outcome. Yeah, I I, I tell you what, Notre Dame fans love them some Lou Holtz in 1988. They're, they're, they're clinging to that like uh, there's no tomorrow. But thanks, but no thanks, Lou. We don't need you to piss off the entire Ohio State roster by telling them how soft they are right before you play Notre Dame. I mean, that, that made the rounds. Clearly, that made the rounds. Uh, and, and Ryan Day was sitting on that and was waiting to use that if they somehow won that game, which they were in part gifted a little bit by Notre Dame, not to take away anything from the Buckeyes. Uh, but they got, a little bit of a, uh, they got a little bit of a break there at the end for certain. But if you're – I mean, Lou's got the right to – look, I, I like Lou Holtz, and, and in a lot of ways I miss Lou. Uh, and his commentary on things, he see, he's always seen the game in a, in a different way than a lot of the talking heads do. But Lou is Notre Dame all the way. He's coached for many other programs and done some good things everywhere he's been. But it's the, the thing that's closest to his heart is Notre Dame. And when you tell your opponent before the game how soft they are, and I mean, he – chapter and verse they were soft against Michigan they were soft I mean he just broke down how many games they were too soft they were soft this game they were soft in that game they weren't the most physical football team mate oh yeah he was spitting all over the play I mean saliva was flying as he rattled off one soft performance after another uh and meanwhile you're just sitting there for Ryan Day again you can take a victory lap but if you lose to Michigan and you're soft in that one at the end of the year and it's three in a row to the Wolverines, I'm honestly not sure if Ryan Day is still the coach at that point. Ryan Day, I, 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 don't know, I don't know what Ryan Day is, right? Like, is, what, is he a great offensive mind? What, what is Ryan Day's strength? I'm not, I'm not piling on Ryan Day. I'm not even trying to be critical of Ryan Day. I'm just I'm just putting it under the microscope. Like, what exactly do you have in Ryan Day? Because I think that's what a lot of Ohio State fans are asking. You're Ohio State. You can get a lot of premier coaches out there. Ryan Day's done some good things in Columbus. And, w- and when there was a notion that he could be fired if they lost to Michigan last year, I thought that was insane, right? But if he was three years in a row and if you if you find yourself with this roster, which is loaded, and you can't get to the college football playoff, there's going to be there's going to be some turmoil in Columbus. I will say that. 
Yeah, it's weird because they they got to the playoff last year, Mike, and really could they could have won the national championship. You know? Played Georgia uh, better than anybody. I think they would have beaten TCU too. And, oh, by uh, yeah, by fifty. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's something else there. So they speaking of good in Georgia. I'm not sure how good anybody is in the SEC right now, or is everybody just pretty good? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I mean, again, this weekend baffled me. You know, I'm sitting there watching Florida come back to earth and, mm-hmm. and, and muddle around against Charlotte, which is a bad football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm watching Arkansas give LSU all they want. Yeah, and some people were saying LSU is the best pro team in the league. You know, Georgia had. Another snoozer against the UAB program that, uh, quite frankly, has downgraded their coaching quite a bit. The fighting opinion. Trent Dilfers. Yeah, I just, I'm just i not sure. you know, And I, and I wish Dilfer the best, obviously. But uh, Bill Clark was a great coach that he's replacing. Um, you know, you, you look at that. You look at Ole Miss, not quite. You know, Bama kind of came back to life. Uh, you know, it's, you know, it's Mississippi State all of a sudden decides they're going to air it out and throws for 487 yards in a loss. But I didn't see that coming. Did you? I didn't see them throwing the ball no. as much. You know, no, I, th- I, mean, I, think, I think they got tired of hearing about how they're running a system yeah. that they didn't need work. to get away from. We're pretty good. And that kid, Griffin, they've got really, really good. Griffin, he is a stud and a half. Uh, even Vanderbilt. Um, Vanderbilt uh, against – Kentucky, I was surprised that game was over-under was like 51. It's a 72-point total, 45-27 there in Nashville. Um, So I just just don't know what – I'm pretty sure, like in my power rankings this week, uh, I had, you know, I had number one was Bama. I mean, sorry, number one was Georgia. Number 14 was Vandy. Everything else in between, who knows? I mean, even Missouri with a big win last week. They go and play in uh, what used to be the Transworld Dome in St. Louis uh, and and squeak by Memphis. Memphis' coach is on the hot seat. I mean, it's it's just kind of a, you know, with all these teams, just when you think I'm out, they pull me back in. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I need to walk back my statement from a week ago or not. They did win the game, but LSU clearly did not look great. And like, like I said, I mean, I think LSU has got a really good chance of winning the SEC. Uh, and when they're at their bet, when it's peak LSU, I think they're the best team. They did not give me peak LSU defense on Saturday. Uh, and look, Jefferson can do that to a lot of folks, but there's no Rocket Sanders. Um, you're playing the game at home. You're in Death Valley at night, no less. That was not an awe-inspiring performance. Again, a win is a win is a win. I get it. But by the same token, if 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 I'm going to believe that LSU has still got a shot at this thing, I'm going to need to see – and they've got the athletes. This is the thing about LSU that has just got to be the most frustrating thing if you're a fan of the Bayou Bengals. They had athletes even when they were struggling under Coach O. And there's NFL guys all over the friggin' place. Now, with Coach O, it was a – clearly he had lost – there was a substitute teacher feel to that program toward the end. There was a – we don't have to give max effort on defense. I mean, you'd watch highlights, and you're seeing first and second round draft picks just just get beat on routine plays, not give any effort, just kind of really bad stuff. 
Well, you didn't expect that under Coach Kelly, um, and you're not having it to that degree, but certainly there are some things there that that defense is just too talented to not dominate more. Like, I want to see the level of what Alabama did in the second half against Ole Miss. I want to see that kind of defense from LSU. And the offense, I mean, Jaden Daniels has still been terrific. I'm still I'm still a big believer in Jaden Daniels. Malik Neighbors is unguardable. I mean, the SEC wide receiver core this year, we'll get into this more in the boss segment, is unreal. There are just sick, talented, big, fast, unguardable wideouts in this league, maybe the most that I've seen in a while. Uh, so for all the talk about what the SEC is not, at that position, the SEC is not taking a backseat to anybody. But, yeah, to your to your larger point, the, we've said this before, I don't think the middle is great in the SEC this year. Everybody, Every league's got a, a bottom feeder or two. But the middle, where the SEC always separates itself from every other conference in the country, I'm not sure if they're doing that so much this year. That would be the biggest difference to me. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's just like, like I said, I know who one is, I know who 15 is. We'll see, or 14. We'll see what happens there. Did we really see a changing of the guard in the ACC Saturday? I don't know. I thought Clemson had a great game plan. I thought they outcoached Florida State in a lot of ways. They outplayed Florida State in a lot of ways. Uh, FSU took advantage of some mistakes at the end, and a pretty, pretty brutal kicking situation at Memorial Stadium for the Tigers. Uh, if those two teams played again, though, Mike, I don't know. I'd probably have Florida State at about a three-point favorite, just like last time. Your thoughts? Yeah, I would have Florida State certainly favored on a neutral field. Um, and I think we might have seen a changing of the guard. Look, if Florida State wins the ACC this year, they've already got momentum in recruiting. Uh, they've got their coach in place. The, the biggest thing that was haunting Florida State was just the, the lack of stability, poor coaching hires, poor leadership at the top. That's the only way you screw up Florida State. Florida State is built to be a championship contender, especially, please don't take this personally, personally ACC fans, in that league, uh, they should be winning 10-plus games a year. And for various reasons, they did not. But now you beat Clemson. In Death Valley, uh, Gamecocks got this whole thing started beating Clemson after after leading at fourteen nothing. Clemson did. Gamecocks came back, beat you on your home field, snapped the nation's longest home winning streak. You have a disappointing bowl game. You have a disappointing start to the season where you don't just lose to Duke. You you kind of got it handed to you at Duke, and now you're right, JC. They had every opportunity to win that game. I mean, they had every opportunity to win that game. the The, the biggest play, of course, was the you know the scoop and score, the fo- the forced fumble. Klubnik coughs it up. There, that's six the other way. Clemson's in control of that game before that play. They are in control of that game. But again, championship teams don't do that. Uh, you still don't see the threatening wide receivers that you're used to at Clemson. And while Klubnik plays his guts out, and he certainly has talent, and he's a great athlete. He's not Deshaun Watson. He's not Trevor Lawrence. And they haven't had that uh, since those two guys left. You know, DJ Uyunglele is is doing 
pretty good things at Oregon State, but the, the, the downfall at the quarterback spot started there, and I don't think it uh, has completely recovered. They're still going to recruit four or five-star kids at that position, as you know, J.C., but I, I don't see the difference makers right now. I see Florida with a ton of momentum. I see Dabo taking all kinds of national heat because he won't uh, take more part in the portal. Maybe he stays stubborn in that. Maybe he alters his viewpoint on that. But, yeah, it would not surprise me if this is the beginning of a changing of the guard. Clemson is still going to be good. They're still going to win a lot of games. They're still going to be, you know, it's not like they're going to just go down the toilet like we've seen a lot of premier programs do. I mean, I've gone over this list before. Southern Cal, Texas, Florida State, Florida, Miami. These were all great, proud, traditional programs that have all found themselves recently in the toilet. Clemson's not going there under Dabo. But I do think they could be a strong number two for a while in the ACC if Florida State can continue to cash in. To wrap it up, the JC5, I look. Okay, so my measuring stick with Texas this year was, you know, obviously I wasn't going to believe that they'd be anything better than seven and five. Uh, you know, if they didn't go in and beat Bam or at least play well, they did. Check that box. Okay, so then my skepticism continues because – We've seen them play good against good teams before, and then they'll go drop a game. Well, this weekend they played in Waco, Texas against Baylor, and Baylor's gotten them pretty good over the years at times. Last year in Austin, I remember watching that game. It was uh, it was Thanksgiving weekend, and Baylor almost beat them. I mean, it was a it was a back and forth ball game. Texas obliterated Baylor this weekend, thirty eight to six. I think it's safe to say right now, based on that, for now, as things stand now. I think Texas is 0-9 or 0-5 good, and they played for they won one national championship and played for another in those years. I, I think Texas is legit. Totally agree. Um, I, I mentioned that Alabama game. They had the best quarterback on the field, the better offensive line, the best tight end on the field, the best defensive lineman on the field. That's against Alabama talent. If you watch that game, it wasn't so much what Alabama did wrong. It was Texas was just flat-out better. Maybe this is the new Texas years to come. Maybe this is a one-off where they just happen to have a first-round talent quarterback who's playing like a first-rounder, the second-best tight end in all of college football, and a defensive line that is big and nasty. Maybe they can't keep that up. Uh, Or maybe this is... This is what, what, again, gets it starting. You talk about changing of the guard. Texas is not going to go into the SEC and start dominating the SEC, but they can start looking more like 05, 09 Texas on a regular basis, which they haven't for 15 years. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I am, I am all in on Texas. Good for them. They finally cracked the code. Good for Coach Sarkeesian. I mean, that has been... An up-and-down, bumpy, bumpy ride for that man, both personally and professionally. Uh, but I think he's a good story. He's easy to root for. I don't know anybody that really has many bad things to say about Steve Sarkeesian. He's very open about his mistakes and his problems that he had in the past. And he might be the right fit at Texas for this time. So uh, for right now, it's Hook'em Horns. Oklahoma, by the way, and, and I, I cautioned people who – who thought Brett Venables was just some idiot because they were terrible last year. Oklahoma very quietly is doing good things. They're going to be just fine with Brett Venables. I have no doubt that he he is going to do good things in Norman. That's the only team I see that's going to pose a threat 
in the Big 12 to Texas, the only team. And so, I mean, I think still Texas is still a heavy favorite. They'll play that game in what, J.C., how many – Pretty I soon. Mean, Should be. Yeah, a couple maybe weeks, next right? Weekend. Yeah, it's, yeah that's, it's coming up. It's, it's usually like end of September, 1st of October. So, Yeah, so, I mean, when that when that happens, that'll be resolved, as it always is on a neutral field. But uh, but Texas will certainly be favored, and I and I think they're certainly the, the beasts of the Big 12 until they leave for the SEC shortly thereafter. All right, good round on the JC5. We are uh, more than overdue for a timeout. We'll take it right now. More JC and Morgan coming up. Presented by Lifetime Fitness, a premier athletic country club. Amazing amenities. There's seven of them in Atlanta. Uh, I first got introduced to Lifetime from a buddy of mine that lives in Memphis, and there's one right there in, in Collierville. And the moment you walk in, you realize it's just it's different. Uh, their Life Spa, Life Cafe, uh, available to both members and non-members, they offer kids classes, swim lessons, over 100 weekly group fitness classes and programs taught by the best performers in the area. Uh, again, it's just state-of-the-art. Uh, I go to the one in Sandy Springs, not far from uh, here in Brookhaven. You can visit lifetime.life for more information. And for those of you that want a shared co-working space, that's a big thing these days, they will not be outdone in that area either. Great conference rooms, quiet phone booths, full-service kitchens with complimentary snacks and coffee. And, yes, that includes access and membership to the Athletic Country Clubs as well. For more information, you can call 404-446-9475, 446-9475, visit lifetime.life and tell them you heard about it here on JC and Morgan. Great people and uh, terrific state-of-the-art facilities for lifetime fitness down here in the south we don't always see eye to eye while our taste in college football teams or what sauce of any good best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our dixie vodka might be up for debate we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate and like our favorite college teams our ingredients come from small towns and big cities they're grown in southern soil are crafted by Southern Hands and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Hey folks, want to tell you about our friends at Titan Construction Group really quick. They're a mid-Atlantic-based general contractor, specializes in retail, restaurant, and office construction. TCG strives to separate itself from other general contractors by adding value every step of the process. From project budgeting to estimation, value engineering to construction, they focus on those relationships and not the transaction. Titan builds partnerships one project at a time. Among their clients are Starbucks, Crumble Cookie, uh, Blake Pizza, Home Goods, 15-plus years experience based in Midlothian, Virginia, and contracted in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So get on their website, Titan. CGinc.com. That's TitanCGinc.com. Get in touch with Brad if you're in need of a general contractor that focuses on going above and beyond for their clients. That's Titan Construction Group, a proud sponsor of the J.C. and Morgan podcast. 
Mike here for Elite Roofing and Restoration. Chances are you're a homeowner. You're going to have to have that roof replaced at some point. Could be because of wind or hail damage. Could be because it's just that time the roof is old and you don't want to take any more chances. Go ahead and call Elite Roofing and Restoration. They will take terrific care of you as they have for me over the years. They provide exceptional roofing services. They offer a highly knowledgeable staff on insurance claims for roof repairs and replacements as well as an extensive catalog of materials materials, and colors to ensure your roof looks as good as it performs. So how do you do it? Well, you just start off, you can go to the website, EliteRoofingGA.com. That's EliteRoofingGA.com. Go ahead and fill out the form, get connected with the fine folks at Elite Roofing and Restoration, and they will take care of the rest for you. Elite Roofing and Restoration. Don't settle for second best. All right, back with you here on J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan, J.C. Sherbert, appreciate you joining us here on a Monday morning, our new regular time. And, of course, as always, we welcome you to join us not only on your typical audio platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, but now also the TV version. You get to see our smiling faces on a Monday morning, which, you know, it's Halloween come early for a lot of folks. Uh, We're on the YouTube channel. We're on uh, Facebook, Twitter, you name it, uh, name the platform. We are on it and proud to be a part of uh, the Chief Sports Network as well. Check out that app for updates on uh, things that we are doing and when we're coming on each and every week. Each and every week we uh, go around the SEC presented by Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration. Call now for a free inspection. I just saw Jeremy he has his annual uh, golf tournament got a chance to play in that again, again, for charity, for a great cause. They're involved in uh, the communities here in Georgia, but also Jeremy's uh, run this business in South Carolina, takes clients in Florida, in Tennessee, uh, really a good footprint in the southeast. If you need a free inspection for your roof, don't wait till it's too late. The damage can only get worse, and roofs, just quite frankly, only last so long. Uh, 678-781-1998, 678-781-1998. You can email for a free uh, inspection as well. Tell them you heard about it on J.C. and Morgan, Elite Roofing and Restoration at gmail.com. Just taking a a quick look ahead, we're going to kind of combine, since it's Monday, what happened with uh, the weekend and what's ahead. You've got Florida at Kentucky. Florida at Kentucky. This has been a matchup that has haunted the Florida Gators here recently. And here you have it, J.C. Kentucky's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Kentucky has played no one so far this year. Uh, Devin Leary has been good, not great. Nine touchdowns, five picks. Uh, I'm really curious how this game is going to shape up, not just in terms of who wins it, but what kind of game is it? I really don't know. I mean, Florida really won the battle on the line of scrimmage against Tennessee. That was the that was the real story of that game as much as Graham Mertz or anybody else was. Uh, who's going to be the more physical team? It's been Kentucky lately in this series. Certainly was last year in the swamp. Uh, Kentucky's 4-0, 1-0 in the SEC. But, again, I don't know if anybody really has a, a, a feel on what Kentucky is. We'll find out mo- more about both these teams on Saturday. I still have them in my personal SEC rankings. I still have I have Kentucky, I think, 12. Wow. Uh, just cause, okay. Well, they have, I haven't played anybody. Oh, I, mean, I agree. I agree. The, the I, game against Vandy, I mean, I think we all thought Vandy may be better than they 
definitely are this year. <laughs> they're not. Uh, they're worse, uh, in my opinion, especially defensively. But, um, you know, I, I don't know what to make. I mean, you know, Liam Cohen, you'd think that they hired, you know, Bobby Petrino or Steve Spurrier to, to call their plays again. And I don't think people remember that that, that offense in 2021 was good. Was it was it special? No, I mean nobody thought Tim Couch was back running their <laughs> Uh I mean Will no. Levis played well. Yeah, no. um, and Wando uh, Robinson was. Wanda, was they don't have a Wandell. Well, yeah, and they're pretty good at receiving. But you know, I, I think that was one where people remembered. They watched the Citrus Bowl where uh, Levis and Wandell and then Cohen kind of led them back, and they beat Iowa in the Citrus Bowl, which is a great win for that program. Uh, and then they watched the next year, and we're, we're like, well, this, this team's not as good as that Citrus Bowl. And, but then they, so they automatically attach, you know, a coach to results. And, and I just don't think it's that easy sometimes. And I, and I still don't know that Kentucky's back to being as good up front on offense as they once were. Yeah, um, and I, I, I like Tavion Robinson. I like Dane Key. Like, they're two sophomore wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wandell, was, he was just different. <laughs> He, he was just different. They had a great offensive line, which last year they had maybe the worst of any Power 5 team. I'm not sure how good they are this year because they haven't played a team that's going to challenge them up front. Now they will. Where would this team be without Ray Davis? I mean, Ray Davis, who they plucked from Vanderbilt, he's been the star by far. I mean, he's been the guy that has led their offense. Uh, without him, it'd be scary to think where that offense might be. They might really be struggling, but um, at any rate, that'll be an intriguing matchup. That'll be uh, the noon kick in Lexington uh, on ESPN. Uh, also at noon, Texas A&M, Arkansas. See what this, the uh, health is of Connor Wegman, who's, who was playing great ball. He goes down. I got to be honest, I forgot that Max Johnson was still with A&M. I thought he might have bolted by now. The way kids jump around in the portal. Although I guess he'd have to get a waiver, right? Because he already mm-hmm. it is one from LSU to A and M, so that's that's why he's still there. Um, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say he's a fantastic quarterback. I mean, he was good at LSU. I mean, he could start for a hundred D one programs tomorrow, and they'd be happy to have him. But Wegman's just better at this point. So they have to they have to call up Johnson to come in that game. Throws a touchdown pass to his brother. Kind of a cool moment. Um, but I'm not entirely sure what A&M is. They looked awful against Miami. They they beat Auburn in an ugly game. Auburn can't do much offensively. That's going to be a problem against Georgia more. And that in the moment, Arkansas, do they get Rocket Sanders back? Um, they're at home. Arkansas played a hell of a game against LSU. It showed me a lot. I think we all – everybody loves Sam Pittman, right? Like, we all want to see that guy hang around and, and succeed. I have no – I have no – fight in the game, or skin in the game for Arkansas in general, but we all love Sam Pittman and it's one of those things where even even the good guys that have done some good things get fired in this league, and if you go, oh, if you lose this one, you're 0-2 in the SEC, now all of a sudden some of the love for Sam Pittman starts kind of uh, getting a little bit sour. Yeah, and it's good. It's good. Actually, Mike, uh, Arkansas is the home team, but this game's in Arlington, Texas at AT&T Stadium. Oh, that's right, yeah. I'm, it's yeah. one of 
one of what will be two uh, SEC matchups uh, once Texas and Oklahoma come in in the greater Dallas area. But this is in Jerry World, A&M mm-hmm. a seven-point favorite. I think that's about right. Uh, I'll say this. This game, since they've been playing it in, in Arlington, now I think pandemic year they went to College Station to play, and A&M got them pretty good. It's always a close game, no matter how – even the Chad Morris teams for Arkansas play this one <laughs> close. Always a close game. A&M always wins. <laughs> it's, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, if you look – you know how they always say you can throw the records out the book? Well, well this one you really can because it doesn't uh, – it, it hasn't mattered. It's always close, and A&M always finds a way to get the win. I think A&M is like 7-1 or 8-1 in this series. Uh, since they joined the SEC and sort of played it in Jerry World. Um, so interesting game this week. I mean, you know, I think this game will go a long way for A&M. You know, if they win this one, they start, it's two of two those starting the league. You know, you kind of start feeling like, okay, they're, they're settling in for a pretty good season. If they lose, ah, it's just more chaos and, and all that good stuff. As far as Sam Pittman goes, man, I just don't think, given the dumpster fire that he inherited, and keep in mind, there were some good players on that roster, thanks to uh, uh, you know, Chad Morris's recruiting staff recruiting relatively well. Um, but, you know, it was – they were bad, bad. I mean, like, sub-Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt, I think, beat them by three touchdowns in, in Fayetteville uh, the last year of Chad Morris. They lost to Western Kentucky by 26 at home. They lost to San Jose State. Uh, they lost to North Texas 41-14, Mike. I mean, that, that they, they were in the dumpster. I, I just don't know how you can fire a guy after three seasons. Uh, you know, and regardless of, let's say they end up seven and six or whatever. I know expectations were high last year and they didn't meet them. Part of that was because K.J. Jefferson was hurt, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know this year the, the, the loss to BYU was as disappointing as it gets. And the loss Saturday night probably, you know, you know, you're right there with LSU and you could have won. But you know, I think Hog fans need to be patient. You know, don't become the Tennessee basketball or the Florida football uh, of the league. You know, give Pittman <laughs> a chance to ride the ship. Year three is always difficult because the, the net, your first recruiting class is never that good, especially those that took over during the pandemic because you couldn't have visits, you couldn't even lay eyes on kids, right? So it's a crapshoot. You know, and, and and your third year is when some of the players that were left behind, and I'd have to look at Arkansas's roster to say, you know, how intelligent this is. They leave, and so you're awfully young and awfully thin at some spots. So that's about everything. Every, yeah, no, I agree. Just, just for point of record, it is his fourth year, right? So 2021, oh. 2022, uh, But I, but I'm still every. I agree with all your points. Like I, I don't think there's there should be any notion at all. Uh, that that Sam Pittman should be on any kind of hot seat, but I, but just knowing how look Arkansas is one of those programs that has a ton of resources, and a lot of people nowadays this is just where we are. It's kind of the Gordon Gecko era of college football. They associate money with wins, money with championships. If we've got as much money as anybody else, how come we're not getting the same results as anybody else? <clears throat> Well, look, we could we could do a whole show on why Arkansas is one of the more difficult jobs in that division. Uh, you don't have the same player resource, the talent pool in recruiting that you do at other places. You don't have the more recent tradition that they do 
in other places with the schools you're battling head to head every year. Um, so you'd be you'd be well advised, I think, uh, to your point, to not even have that discussion. I just know the nature of the beast, and, and and I know what it's like over there in Fayetteville. I'm there every year, and I know that that fan base, and they're getting a little bit. They love Sam Pittman. Like if they did it, it would almost be like the way Georgia disposed of Mark Richt, where everybody loved Mark Richt, and they wanted to give him, you know, the, like a fountain pen on the way out. Like here's. Here's this gift. It's, it's all I could muster up, but it's just it's a small token of appreciation. But we want somebody that can a little bit more. And they went to Kirby. Uh, I think Arkansas still, there's some po- people in that fan base that believes they're just a Bobby Petrino higher away from being a 10-11 win program. And you're, it's going to be hard to convince them otherwise. I say all that because, you know, if Arkansas loses this game, they're now 0-2 in the SEC. They're 2-3 overall. They had the tough loss to BYU at home. You get the idea. Like, the, the all those good will vibes can go south in a hurry. It's just that's just where we are in college football, and certainly it's amplified in the SEC. Uh, the 3:30 game, the CBS game, is Georgia-Auburn. This is always a huge game in terms of fan base and history, the longest – uh, running rivalry in the Southeastern Conference. goes back to, to towns like Columbus, Georgia. They used to play this game. We actually have an email from Columbus we'll get to in our mailbag section. Uh, Georgia's a 14-and-a-half point favorite. I don't know what to uh, expect out of Auburn offensively. They're, they're tough to watch, J.C. They just don't have a lot there. And Georgia has every bit of the athleticism and prowess on defense that that Auburn ran into that brick wall against the Aggies. So uh, this to me is a pretty difficult matchup for Auburn, even at Jordan air. I think so. Uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen um, at Jordan air, especially. And I think Hugh Freeze will pull out all the stops. Uh, boy, that A&M game though was tough. I mean, that was tough to watch if you're uh, quarterbacking or you're, you're like yourself. A quarterback aficionado, right? <laughs> that, that, that game had to drive you crazy, Mike. It did. Uh, so it's tough it, to watch. Yeah, I mean, it was brutal, you know. Please give me some quarterbacking. So, I, uh, I, I you know, Georgia's owned that, that, that series, man. It used to be so good because the visiting team had like a like a long win streak, and it always go right down to the wire. I mean, I, I still remember games where Auburn would win at Athens and, you know, Georgia would come down there and beat them. I mean, it it, it was just a fantastic back-and-forth series. Georgia, even before Kirby got there, Georgia's got on a roll against these guys and have kept it up, the one exception being when uh, I think it was Kirby's second team that played for actually played for the national championship, went down there, and for two weeks in 2017, Auburn was the best team in the country. You remember this? Oh, Auburn, yeah. Auburn whipped Georgia. 40 to 17, and then whipped Alabama 24 to 12. They're rolling right along, and oh, their running back gets hurt. And so they got to go play Georgia again in the dome. Georgia beats them 28 7 because they can't move it without the running back. And that was the, the, the that was a big slope down the, you know, slow moving water slide inner tube ride that you used to ride as a kid that was the end of Gus Malzahn. Uh, although he did get $39 million right after that. He, he did okay because uh, remember Arkansas was open and, and all that so that was a that was a that was a contrast in leverage in uh, 1980s style water slide rides uh, but anyway uh, I, I this, this was one a few weeks ago I said Georgia you know they can't just go down there and mess around 
But man, um, I think we've seen enough out of Auburn's offense to know that it's it's not going to be a, a, a juggernaut uh, this year, and that they've got to figure some things out. So I'm, I'm with you on that. Little history here. It started in 1892, Georgia Auburn, Deep South's uh, longest running rivalry. They used to play in Atlanta, and then in 1904 they switched to Macon. 1908-09 Montgomery. 1910 and 1911 Savannah, then back to Atlanta. Then from 1916 through 1958 in Columbus, and I've actually called high school games in that old stadium that they um, that they played in back when I was working at the mighty WDAK, the Sports Monster, in Columbus, Georgia. Shout out to what once was a fine, fine sports station. Uh, and now, of course, they go home and home, and it's only been interrupted a couple times due to world. Only world wars can interrupt this uh, this great rivalry. Um, that or some some new schedule making when the conference expands, right? Uh, do we know? I can't even remember. Is that going to be locked in or not? I don't think it is. Auburn, Georgia? No, yeah. no. Cause if it's it, not going to be looking. It's got Auburn, Alabama locked in. Yeah, and if it's if it's one permanent opponent, it's uh, you've got uh, Georgia, Florida, and then uh, Auburn, Alabama. So, yeah. no. So, it will not be. be kind of a sad. I, now, I don't know if they play next year or not. I think they do play next year. but uh, I'm not sure. But if, it if won't be every one, year. We know that. Yeah. If it's a 1-7 format moving forward in an eight-game schedule, they won't. Now, if it's a 3-6 and they go to nine, I think that, Tennessee, Alabama, all those like secondary rivals will be preserved. So I mean, It's kind of hard now, to call Texas and Texas a and a secondary rival, isn't it? I know. Yeah, that's, that's a little one, weird, isn't that's it? That's one that will be every other year, so it's kind of weird. That is that's very weird. Uh, 6 p.m. ESPN, LSU at Ole Miss. Juicy. I mean. It is juicy. Juicy. <laughs> I mean, Juicy, I mean, goodness gracious, you just got to you know, play Alabama and Arkansas played LSU off its feet, and now you got to go to Oxford. And, and man, that, that's one of those I don't know who's going to win kind of things. I mean, I would say LSU is the better team so far as what they saw, what you saw, but they can't do what they did against Arkansas and do what they did against Florida State and expect to go in and just win that game. Now, if they and, and, play better, then maybe. Yeah, and this goes back to what we talked about at the top with Lane. These are the kind of games, if you're Lane Kiffin, it, you don't have to win it. You're not in a hot seat by any stretch, but it would be nice to, to pull to pull something like this off. And meanwhile, LSU, uh, I still think, has a, has a playoff chance. I still think is a really good football team. Daniels has been lights out. Lake Neighbors, I don't know if there's a quiet way to have 32 catches, 523 yards, and five touchdowns already. But it's almost like gone under the radar, if you can believe that. He's he's phenomenal, just but he doesn't get talked about as much probably as he should. Uh, Alabama, Mississippi State, that'll be 9 p.m. Eastern time kickoff from Starkville. Uh, JC, you just saw Mississippi State up close. They, they, they're just not that – I don't think they're the kind of team that can really push Alabama. They're not as physical as some of the other Mississippi State defenses. Arnett's a defensive guy, but I don't, I don't see that out of this D this year. Well, you know, the, the one thing 
that was strange about them last week on defense, South Carolina can't run it against most teams, and Gamecocks run it for 144 yards. Yeah. Mississippi State's run game, Carolina's given up a bunch of rushing yards per game, only went for 32. That was weirdly inconsistent. But then Rodgers and Griffin hook up, and he throws for almost 500 yards. Yeah. Uh, and it was an exciting game. And Mississippi State came to play, and it was almost – I, that was a game I think they felt they needed to get on the road mm-hmm. against the Gamecocks, and they did not. And so now they go back. I think the only shot – and look, hey, don't be surprised if this one's close, at least at halftime, because you, you don't have a very explosive Alabama team. Uh, Mississippi State is capable in some areas. Um, but, you know, and sometimes at Starkville, that game is close. And, and look, I'll say this, too. Out of all the teams Mike Leach faced in the SEC, Alabama owned him the most. They rarely crossed the 50 against the Tide. For some, That's right. whatever reason, Nick Saban was not going to be I'm not going to let Mike Leach go down the field on me. Okay. All right, Nick. Well, you didn't. Uh, so, so it could be interesting. But I, I, I think Alabama goes in there and probably pulls away the second half. But don't, I wouldn't be shocked if it was close. I mean, all it takes is one busted coverage. And Griffin, uh, Griffith, he's in the end. Griffin. You're, you're right. Griffin, Griffin. Right. Griffin, yeah. Uh, he's in the end zone. Uh, and, and Will Will Rogers, I think, had a very redemptive performance uh, the other day. And then now I don't know how you game plan for them. But are they going to be the run-focused team we saw the first three weeks? Are they going to throw it all over the yard like they did against Carolina? I mean, how do you game plan? So I don't think they're going to be running much against Alabama uh, with much success. So I think it's it's Will Rogers to the rescue, which is a lot to ask of anybody, and that's when you get in trouble, when you become predictable. Um, but that's kind of the way I see this game going, is Mississippi State falls behind, and then all of a sudden it's pass on first down, pass on second down, and it's, oh bleep, now what? Uh, South Carolina, Tennessee, that'll be uh, uh, another SEC Network primetime game, 7.30 from Knoxville. How about the point spread on this one, J.C.? Tennessee by 12 and a half. Um, I saw somebody, I don't want to throw her under the bus, but somebody who covers the sport, I don't know for who, wrote some article saying Joe Milton's still a Heisman Trophy candidate. No, she's not a Heisman Trophy candidate. Uh, but anyway, that's... Um, I, think this is an, I think this is another juicy matchup. I mean, Spencer Rattler has been... Without much of a running game, without much of an offensive line, which has played better, he has been nearly flawless this year. He really has. And if you don't know the name Xavier Leggett, folks, uh, he is playing himself into the into the first round. I'll tell you who he, who he reminds me of, JC. I'm going to give you a comp. Uh, you know I love wide receiver comps as well as any, anything. DK Metcalf. Now, I don't know if he's the workout wonder at the Combine, but size, explosiveness, what I'm watching out of him reminds me of what I saw out of DK Metcalf those last couple of years in Oxford. And like DK, he's kind of developed into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people, I mean, and look, I, I think he, he also, he reminds me a bit of Alshon Jeffrey as well. They actually retired Alshon Jeffrey's number at the stadium the other night, but he, Alshon did not have that much that speed in the open wow. field. Now he was kind of a long strider, and at times, you know, you wouldn't catch him. And people, are like, how did they not catch him on that? But uh, Xavier's been timed at four four five 
4-4 consistently since he's been with the Gamecocks. High school quarterback that just developed. It had some injuries early in his career, but, you know, under Beamer in, you know, 2021, uh, he caught a game-saving, really season-saving, maybe program-saving <laughs> uh, catch against Vanderbilt to win the game. You know, last year had a 100-yard kickoff return against A&M to open it up, but sort of a role player at receiver. Uh, this year with Juice Wells out for all but about, you know, a handful of plays against Furman and, and the first drive against Georgia, I mean, he's been the guy for the Gamecocks. Uh, and he's tough. I mean, I don't know how you – He's hard to guard in one-on-one situations where there's jump balls and comeback routes. And then all of a sudden, Saturday, he catches a crossing pattern and runs off and leaves the entire defense. How does that yeah. even happen? I'm like, That's wow. DK Metcalf. Dude, That's that guy. D- so, yeah, so you're yeah. there. I think you're there, buddy. You, you know where I read that comp? Nowhere. That's my mm-hmm. ba- national guy. You could you can steal that. You're going to start hearing that. I'm telling you right now. Like Last year at this time, I was telling – Anybody who would listen, Jameer Gibbs, the, the cop there, was uh, uh, the, the former uh, Bama slash Tennessee back with the Saints. Kamara. Alvin Kamara. Yeah, Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara. And then eventually that caught on. You'll start hearing DK Metcalf. That's who Leggett looks like to me. Uh, the, 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 the overall measurables are very similar. And like you said, Metcalf, it wasn't right away. He was like a great athlete that had to turn himself into a – great receiver. That's what Leggett has done uh, in Columbia as well. Our final game is uh, Missouri-Vanderbilt. I'll bet you if you you polled, you walked into a sports bar tomorrow and you said, name the three undefeated teams in the SEC. People would say Georgia. They might even get Kentucky, and then they would be stumped on the last one. It's Missouri, folks. They're four and zero. Mizzou is four and zero on a strength of a sixty-one yard field goal in one victory. Uh, they 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 played around a little bit. They danced with Memphis in St. Louis in the dome. They don't win games pretty. They uh, they boo their starting quarterback, and uh, it, it, there's there's nothing about this team that like jumps off the page. But four and zero is four and zero. If they beat Vanderbilt, which they should, they're five and zero. Mizzou could be five and zero, and like nobody is talking about them. And uh, and they should, and they will sooner rather than later. Because yeah, I, like I said, I got some connections out there to Mizzou. They think they're going to be. I mean, they thought they were going to be really good heading into the season, and they have now. Keep in mind, this team also almost lost to Memphis and almost lost to Middle Tennessee State. I mean, those were right. close. Closer games, but they did beat K-State, who's off. Look, K-State in general, man, it's just hard to beat them. Ask UCF. I thought UCF played really good the other night against K-State. Ends up 13-point loss because K-State's – K-State went out and hired – the first time they hired Howard to replace Snyder, they kind of took the hype route and got the big-time recruiter that's all of a sudden going to get big-time recruits to – Manhattan, Kansas, and Ron Prince, and that did not work out so well. Uh, <laughs> although Josh Freeman was Prince. part of that, and Josh Freeman was a guy. Uh, but uh, so so that happened, right? But uh, then they got Snyder back, and he Snydered himself on to a couple more good years. Well, then they hired a dude from North Dakota State, and I'm like, well, recruiting to North Dakota State compared to some of the other FCS schools that are in the South and the West. 
has to be difficult. And we never heard about North Dakota State until he got there. And they started winning nationally, became the Ohio State of freaking NCAA. Uh, and, and so they, Kleiman is a really good football coach, and that's exactly what they needed, just like Lance Leopold in Kansas. Uh, yeah. So, uh, that, that, well, those know. are programs you can't get the pick of the litter, and you're not going to dominate recruiting no matter who you hire for Manhattan, Kansas, or Lawrence, Kansas. You might as well get the guys that actually know how to coach. Yeah, Remember when that was coaches. an important thing? Not ball just, coaches. yeah, yeah, not just, you know, guys who are delegators and say good things at press conferences. Um, guys that actually have paid their dues coaching and grinding and having to sit there and watch tape for hours on end and draw up plays, and th- those are those two guys, and they have yielded positive results. As much as things have changed in college football, there's always going to be roles for people who actually know how to coach in its truest form. Like That hasn't been – that has not gone the way of the dodo, okay? There's certainly other things about coaching. And if you want to be elite, elite, yeah, you, you got to hire a guy thinking recruiting as well. You can't just – but for those next – those tier two programs that aren't going to dominate recruiting anyway and that don't have gobs and gobs of NIL money, get some guys that actually have, have a proven track record of coaching at multiple spots at multiple levels, and they will pay off some dividends. That's certainly the case with those two. All right, that's our Around the SEC. When we come back, who's the boss? It's not Tony Danza. It's not it's not Alyssa Milano. It's not that little kid, Danny Pintura. It's not uh, Judith Light. I just named the entire cast of Who's the Boss. How sad is that? Did you write Imagine it down co- beforehand? I that? swear to God, I didn't even know I was going there. Wow, dude. I'm, I'm blown away. <laughs> you, want, you, want, you want an embarrassing moment? I'm going to tell you this real quick as we go to break. Let everybody behind the curtain. This is like blackmail material on Mike if you folks want it. <laughs> I, I, I pay for uh, Xfinity, which is not worth the money, but I, I pay it because I'm a sports fan, and I got, I've got that, and I've got YouTube TV. Somebody said, Mike, you ought to, you ought to check out Tubi. There, Tubi is uh, it's like free movies and, and classic shows, and they, they do have commercials in them. So, but, but still, you just go on the app and you, and you turn. So I go on Tubi, and there's some decent movies. I didn't want to invest like two hours of my time. I see Silver Spoons. Wow. Now, I haven't seen Silver Spoons since we were like reading Tiger Beat magazine. I didn't actually read it, but kids at school had it. Um, and, and, and I'm like, you know, just for, just for nostalgia's sake, I'll turn on an episode. By the way, that's where Alfonso Ribeiro. Carlton of the Fresh Prince. That's where he got his start. Jason Bateman, now of Ozark. He was the smart-ass friend of Ricky Schroeder. That's where he got his start. He's hilarious on that show. The show still stands up today. It's not as cheesy as Saved by the Bell, and it came 10 years before it. I wound up watching, like, episodes. Like, this is great. Silver Spoons, man. Silver yeah. Spoons. Ricky that's right. Schroeder. I did it. Ricky's the Ricker. I sat there and I watched a damn marathon of silver spoons, and I had no shame in my game. I did it, and I did it proudly. I enjoyed every episode. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I didn't. I'd be lying. I loved it. I'd do it again. Speaking of lying, if anyone watched that show and thought Jason Bateman was uh, going to be a bigger star than Ricky Schroeder, boy, you got something (laughs) else coming. 
That's right. If you bought stock, if you bought stock in uh, Derek, I believe was his name, the uh, the the witty, smart ass friend who was always like conniving and getting into trouble. I mean, they had like adult subjects. They were they they were calling a bookie and making sports bets in one of the episodes. This is in the early '80s. They were calling a bookie and betting on the Jets to cover against the Colts, and then Ricky. He's like 5-0. and oh. His little computer came up with a system, so now he's feeling cocky. So he goes, no, I'm going to bet 1000 on the next one. Well, for a 12-year-old kid, that's, that's blood money. He, mm. can't, he, he loses the bet. The bookies are after him. They're threatening to break his arms. Ricky doesn't know what to do. I mean, you don't get this kind of quality television anymore. I'm just here to tell you. Yeah, I don't get it up. Bateman, I mean, you know, and you think about uh, – well, what was the show with Michael J. Fox? Uh, Family she, Ties. You know, Family Ties. Justine Bateman. Justine Bateman. Yeah, if you, if you bet on her, then you lost. Yeah, you lost. And then uh, <laughs> Jason didn't get really his big break until Teen Wolf 2. Well, he'll tell you. I, I listened to a Howard Stern interview with him. Teen Wolf 2 was a major mistake for him because it's hard to rub that off. Mm. Like We all make some bad career decisions. Uh that was that one didn't work out so well. Teen Wolf two, not quite the phenomenon of Teen Wolf one, and so he was like without work in Hollywood for about a decade. the The show that got him back was the um, the sitcom, and I just forgot it. I just I just forgot the name of it. Anyway, it was yeah. a sitcom that had like a a, a cult following, and that yeah. propelled him into movies, getting better roles, and then Ozark's been like a highlight for. For Net- if it wasn't for Ozark, I probably would have canceled Netflix, save myself $20, and watch more Silver Spoons. All right, that was a quick aside. Sorry, we're running late on time. Quick timeout. The Boss, without Tony Danza, Judith Light, Danny Pintura, whoever else was on that. Who, who played Mona? Catherine Hellman? I'm not sure. Quick break. More JC and Morgan coming up. Mike here for Elite Roofing and Restoration. Chances are you're a homeowner. You're going to have to have that roof replaced at some point. Could be because of wind or hail damage. Could be because it's just that time the roof is old and you don't want to take any more chances. Go ahead and call Elite Roofing and Restoration. They will take terrific care of you as they have for me over the years. They provide exceptional roofing services. They offer a highly knowledgeable staff on insurance claims for roof repairs and replacements as well as an extensive catalog of materials materials, and colors to ensure your roof looks as good as it performs. So how do you do it? Well, you just start off, you can go to the website, EliteRoofingGA.com. That's EliteRoofingGA.com. Go ahead and fill out the form, get connected with the fine folks at Elite Roofing and Restoration, and they will take care of the rest for you. Elite Roofing and Restoration. Don't settle for second best. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County.
Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world-renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique, that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCAndMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. All right, welcome back. It is time for Who's the Boss? Who are the top performers from this past weekend? Special thanks to the Godfather, James Brown. At the top of your screen, if you're watching us on YouTube, J.C. and Morgan, we're going to get the boss and mailbag in the final segment, J.C. People say we can't do it. We don't have enough time. I need more time, Captain. No, we're going to do it. I don't, All right. I don't know. I don't know. Like old school? Yeah. Bed, bath, and beyond. I don't know. A little I don't bed, know bath, and beyond. A little olive garden. You know, just, just things that we love to do. Uh, all right, SEC wide receivers are the boss. I mentioned Malik Neighbors. We talked about Xavier Leggett. Did you see the catch by Ricky Pearsall? I know it was against Charlotte, but it's the best catch of the year in college football. Ricky Pearsall, the top receiver for Florida. And again, Luther Burden, 10 grabs, 177 more yards. Where would Missouri be without Luther Burden? I promise you they wouldn't be 4-0. Uh, outside of the SBC, Keon Coleman. Was there any doubt that the Seminoles were going to go to Keon Coleman at the end of that Clemson game? They basically had one-on-one matchups throughout that game, and they they said, we're going to throw 50-50 balls, and we're going to win more of them than we're going to lose. <clears throat> and they won the most important one, and Keon Coleman is one of the most indefensible wideouts in college football. That, yeah. I thought, I thought you were going to. I thought you uh, were going to say something. No, that's exactly what Florida State did. He, my buddies and I were watching the game, and they were even criticizing the play calling. They're like, "Why are you doing this over and over and over again?" And you're right. That was the thing, dude. We're going to throw fifty fifty calls and win our share. That's, that's exactly it. what they did. I mean, there's nothing fancy about anything that they did. And Travis is a good quarterback, but I mean, he he's not doing anything remarkable. He's just throwing it up there, and you got one guy who's 6'3", and just ridiculously good. Another guy who's 6'7", who's not as good, but you could throw him a jump ball, and it's not going to be picked off if you throw it high enough, and it turned out to be uh, the winning formula. talked about this before. Spencer Rattler, he was 16 for 16 at the halftime of the Mississippi State game, working on a no-hitter. He finished 18 for 20. One of those should have been a pass interference call, so he should have been 18 for 19. Oh, by the way, he had the two longest runs from scrimmage for the Gamecocks all season long. He's been outstanding. Spencer Rattler has been terrific in Columbia. He was the boss this weekend of the win over Mississippi State. 
So was Cameron Ward of Washington State. I gave their head coach love last week. I'm going to give Cameron Ward their quarterback love this week. About five touchdowns and a win over Oregon State. They are the champions of the Pac-2. That's right. Think about it. Champions of the Pac-2. Mike Elko and Duke. Did you know Mike Elko and Duke are undefeated? Did you know college game day is going to be at Wallace Wade Stadium? Say it ain't so. It is. Uh, That's just... I mean, to turn that thing around so quickly the way that he has, David Cutcliffe did some good things at Duke, and then it went south in a hurry. And I didn't think Mike Elko would be able to do this good, this quickly. But he has. A really good coach who's going to be coveted by a lot of other programs very soon. Speaking of which, Jeff Rom, well, he's not going anywhere. He's back at his alma mater. He's happy to be there. And Louisville is relevant again in college football. If you've watched... uh, what they've been able to do in a short amount of time, Jeff Brom and his Cardinals. Jeff Brom is the boss and back where he belongs. Uh, Kentucky defensive back Maxwell Hairston, two pick sixes. That's a record. At least a ties one. And a 45-28 win for Kentucky over Vanderbilt. And to go back to uh, my background here, Falcon Stadium for Air Force. Troy Calhoun and the Falcons are now 4-0. You know how many passes they've thrown all year, J.C., in those four games? Eight. Twelve. Oh. <laughs> they average three pass attempts a game. Uh, I forgot how good Calhoun has been, honestly. You know, he, he won his 100th game during the 2020 year. This is a guy who was an NFL assistant, by the way, before taking this job. He's got an 11-win season in 2019. He's got four 10-win seasons with Air Force including one last year, two nine-win seasons, three eight-win seasons. They actually have to study and, like, learn stuff at Air Force. They don't allow just anybody in there. Um, it's, it's a tremendous story. No, We don't talk Air Force football. We don't talk about the Commander-in-Chief trophy much on this show. But I thought he deserved some, uh, some kudos. Yeah, Coach Calhoun, you are the boss as well. And that is our boss segment presented by Chicken Cock Bourbon, originated in Paris, Kentucky. Find Chicken Cock near you on the Chief Sports app in the Chicken Cock Challenge section on the home screen. One of the fastest growing bourbons in the U.S. Smooth, little to no aftertaste or bite. Serving J.C. and Morgan, that is Chicken Cock Bourbon. All right, some emails before we get out of here. We go to the mailbox. We got Big Ten Justin. I love Big Ten Justin. Big Ten Justin is always on it. Uh, the pack, whatever appears to be the deepest, most entertaining conference in college football so far. Now, I won't disagree with that. Easy, JC. Home stretch, buddy. Home stretch. Oh, We're there. Yeah, sorry when, about that. Was the, demise, was the demise of the pack inevitable due to West Coast football culture, lack of diehard fans, or was it just a series of terrible listeners that killed the conference? I guess what I'm asking here is if they had a year like this a couple of years ago. Would they have secured a strong TV partner to keep them apart from the Power Five? That's a great question. Uh, he also says, P.S., keep in mind Justin's a big Michigan fan. Ryan Day runs a jet sweep on fourth and one that fails. That was a horrific call that we'd all be talking about if Notre Dame didn't only have ten men on the field and lose the game. Then he gets a game-winning run play when Notre Dame fails to put a D lineman on the goal line, then decides to talk junk to an 86-year-old man who called his team soft. <laughs> Ohio State is still soft, says uh, Michigan Justin. We'll see. We'll find out how soft they are when those two teams meet at the end of the year. Uh, yeah, look, if the Pack hired a competent commissioner, just one of them instead of two uh, 
complete hacks, then yeah, I think the pack would still be around. But you get cocky and you try to get too creative and you feel like you don't need to partner up with one of the two giants in the TV world, and this is what happens. Everybody says, oh, shoot, we can't compete financially. This thing is a sinking ship. Get out before the rats do, and that's what they did. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm with you there. I, I think leadership, and I think if you're the school president too, and you know you you kind of look, you're kind of looking back at that deal you turned down, which is the same deal the Big Twelve got. Uh, you know, I, I think there was a lot of hubris that that that, that uh, fed into the demise. That's a very good word, and, it, and hubris has has ruined a lot of good men and organizations over time. Uh, two more quick ones, Neil and Charlotte. How about some love for Tobacco Road football, Duke, and UNC 8-0? We just talked about Duke. Yeah, as JC mentioned, you could make an argument the Tar Heels have played as difficult a schedule as anybody in the country. They have shed their soft label, which was the goal of the whole offseason we've talked about on this program. Raj, in Columbus, Georgia, does Auburn have any chance to beat Georgia? Um, a chance, Yes. But I don't know where the points are going to come from. That's the problem to me. I think Auburn might show out defensively, but I don't know where the points are going to come from, JC. Yeah. The good news is the game's at Jordan Air, and I think uh, magic can happen in, in a venue like that. It's one of my top five venues in the country I've ever been mm-hmm. to. Uh, I keep telling that. And by the way, Craig, thanks for checking on her about the Notre Dame score. She's okay. Uh, I don't think it helped the Bears got waxed yesterday on top of everything, but uh, she's okay. She's hanging in there. Um, anything can happen, but, yeah, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take Georgia sort of imploding as well because I, I think the dogs are talented enough on both sides of the ball, you know, to put points on the board offensively and to make life difficult on Auburn uh, and make them not be able to do so and maybe even score some of themselves if Auburn makes makes, uh, makes some mistakes. So. We'll see sort of what happens there. Cleaning up a couple quick things uh, from the chat box. Uh, yes, indeed, it was arrested development that saved Jason Bateman's career. And uh, Catherine Hellmond played Mona and was uh, also played a, a very good role in Soap. These are the probing questions on everybody's mind sure. on this Monday. We she's have, a man, man, mayonnaise heiress, too, isn't she? I'm just she's kidding. a who? A mayonnaise heiress. In the oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Nah, like, there you go. And you know, Patty, Patty Duke is too, JC, you moron. You know, my th- you know my thoughts on mayonnaise. I, I find no humor or joy in that condiment. If, if you want to hey, make uh, a Heinz joke or a, a <laughs> Grey Poupon joke, I'm all about it, but nothing involving mayo, please. Oh, I do, I do want to mention this. Troy Calhoun, you know what coaching tree he is from? The Jim oh, Grobe oh. coaching tree. I did not Ohio know Ohio U and Wake Forest. Yeah, he was with Grove at Ohio U and at Wake Forest. He was a so C. Um, awesome. And they, you know, remember remember those Wake teams had they ran a lot of option, a lot of creativity in the running game, stuff yeah. like that. So, so there you go. Grove lives on. Grove, man, it did about as good a job for a Tobacco Road uh, program right, in the so, league yeah. at that time. I mean, he was, yeah. He was fantastic. Did a remarkable job in Winston-Salem. Folks, you did a remarkable job joining us. And if you're not joining us live, you can join us on all the platforms, again, from Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, 
YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, we have it all for you on J.C. and Morgan. We'll see you again next Monday for J.C., for Mad Dog, Phil Molinax, Mike Morgan saying so long for now. Have a great rest of the week, everybody.